0: This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Here's something that is sort of slipped under the radar simply because uh, I guess we got the guy. Cops moved in quickly in Toronto just hours before the Quebec mosque shooting. Five hours prior, racially charged and profane social media threats uh, were promising bloodshed Monday at the CN Tower. A man and woman have been arrested after, of course, police uh, viewed and, sort of, and I guess, uh, uh, took note of these posts and, and what was going on and then uh, went in and got a warrant and uh, arrested this person. Uh, not much on this story because, again, it was, um, uh, I guess, a preemptive strike. and uh, and trying to stop something before it could get out of control. To talk more on all of this, Ross McLean is with us, crime specialist, security expert, RossMcClainSecurity.com. You can check out his Facebook page, Crime Power and Politics, and he is with us now. Hello, Ross. How are you today? I'm doing great, Scott. Getting better as the day goes along. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Uh, What can you tell us about this thwarted terrorist attempt?
1: Yeah, it's a great story by uh, Toronto Suns' Joe Warmington who got the scoop on it because, yeah, all that came out on this story originally was someone was arrested for a threat against an unknown place in Toronto. And, and of course, most people know when Joe gets on a story, he'll get to the bottom of it and he'll uh-huh. find more of the information. And, and what he was able to uncover was the fact that there was a person who, made, who got onto a, a message board Uh, They made anonymously made uh, very profane uh, racist threats, uh, specifically that they were going to cause havoc and damage and bloodshed at the CN Tower in Toronto, which, of course, is a protected landmark that the police are very, very aware of. Uh, There was a specific day given. It was going to be on the Sunday. He claimed that he was uh, more than one person, that he was with a group, and that people should stay away with it. So some people on the board asked him some questions. He answered them contacted the police, and uh, they very quickly went into action to locate the person and arrested a man who lived in Toronto. So it certainly, that also raised the, you know, the uh, the issue of threat, the fact that he's in the area when it took place, they arrested him and took him into custody, and they've since charged him with uh, uttering these threats.
0: Sorry, initial, I, I must have missed this, Ross. What was the initial, what was the initial red flag that, 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 uh, that signaled uh, police?
1: Uh, The the anonymous posting to a message board. And so so the police are crediting uh, people within the community, so people on that message board who, when they saw it, contacted the Mm. police and let them know. As you know, in the past, we've seen several cases where there's been uh, people making posts, uh, social media posts, and sometimes people know it, but they don't notify anybody. And if they did notify the police, sometimes they took them seriously in the past, sometimes they didn't. Uh, These days, the police are absolutely taking it seriously especially when you have so many credible red flags on this one to line up. So uh, they felt they had to move, and they did on this one.
0: So where does this go from here? Do we know anything more? Was this a hoax? Was this a joke for this person? Does he think this way?
1: Well, the police are continuing to investigate to see if it was anything more than a hoax. He has been charged with the hoax so far. They'll certainly be looking further into the background to see if there's anything else they need to be concerned with, if anything else was done, or there may be some other issues. So... Uh, yet to be determined where we're going to be with this, but uh, you know it's certainly indicative of where we are today that people feel that they can just sort of use this language, uh, make these threats, and feel that there's no consequence to it. It's where we are as a society today, and it's uh, it's really pretty shameful.
0: How important is it that we publicize these stories, uh, even though they don't mount to anything? They're preemptive strikes.
1: Well. You know, it's important that we know that the police are on top of it. I mean, I want, I want to know that the police are taking and handling threats seriously, that they've got the ability to get the information to react quickly and preemptively, as I always talk about, to any sort of threat, because it's... It, you have to analyze and look at these threats and as i say in this case they certainly had enough red flags specific place specific time specific people mentioned as being victims you know threat of bodily injury and the person was in the location close to where it took place so it's great that they're able to react preemptively uh, to deal with that but you know i think the problem we have i think the bigger lesson in this is people have got to start taking a much better care of things that they say, threats that they make, and what goes on. But we're seeing right now uh, in media, Scott, that, I mean, people are looking at this, and they say in the media that there's uh, major news organizations, reporters, who are quite willing to put in writing on their Twitter accounts to assassinate the president. They think that would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. You have the word Hitler being used like it's a good day, mate, from an Australian guy as you're walking through uh, Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just the, the public looks at this and they think, oh it must be okay to do it. I can read about it in these newspapers. I see reporters saying these things. They're calling for death. Uh, why can't I just say the things and speak my mind? Mm. So I think we're getting a little bit lost in that.
0: Uh, if this uh, if this turns out to be a joke and this for some reason this person decided to do this, I don't know what reasons you would have for that, but decided to do this, what would the penalties be? What would this person be facing?
1: Well, right now, this is a crime, the crime he's charged with under Section 83 of the Criminal Code uh, for uttering threats in a terrorist hoax. If they proceed by indictment, it could be up to five years. If they go to summary conviction, it will be less than that for doing it. But I'll also just put note, there is room in that section. Let's say he had called in a threat somewhere, and a bomb was going to go off and people had to flee from the CN Tower and someone ran out into traffic to get away from there mm. and was run over and killed, uh, he could be charged with uttering the threat, causing death, and face-up to life imprisonment for it. Even if someone happens, something happened out of accident for that. So you know, when you make these threats, when you make these uh, sort of things, people have to be aware of these consequences. But as I say, there's not a lot of consequences right now for this sort of language for some people.
0: Uh, here's a here's a question with no answer. Is this is this a reaction to the divisiveness we're seeing from the Trump effect? Is that you know, you alluded to this earlier that, uh, you know, we got to watch what we say. We, we, we can't just shoot from the hip and expect there not to be repercussions. Is this just the state of the world we're in right now or what is this?
1: it is the state of the world that we're in right now you know like i said you can just call someone hitler anti-semitic you can uh, a racist islamophobic you can call them you can slander them with whatever you want now and it's done in the media and it's done by media professionals mm-hmm. i mean look you have you have media people in the city of toronto who have come out and threatened death against another reporter because they didn't like their opinion or what they were saying or what they were talking about you you'll see them go on there and attack each other and call them names and say things like that and this is under their name, under the banner of the media company that they work for doing it. And there's apparently no consequences to it. So people are seeing all of this going around. And I talked to some of my neighbors, people in the street, and they'll say to me, Russ, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And you have to explain to them that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of identity politics that's going on now that's very dangerous. I mean, Scott, I always talk with you about identity being key to when you're looking at people, profiling them, and solving their problems. And what you're seeing now is everybody's being identified as being this or that, and you're against each group. It's very dangerous to split people like that.
0: Hmm. Uh, Interesting point. Uh, So how do you balance this, Ross? How do you, I mean, lots will blame this on Trump's, uh, stand on on immigration and such in the United States, that that's giving people, you know, a free hand. Well, if the President of the United States can do this, I can do this. Uh, there's, you know, a scenario uh, where the Prime Minister has called out Fox News because they were, or the Prime Minister's office has called out Fox News uh, because they didn't uh, correct the story and correctly identify uh, the Quebec shooter as being Canadian and such. Wh- where do we go with this? How do you balance it?
1: Well, we're we're not having a balance. We're going to continue to erupt and boil over. And it's interesting you talk about the the issue of the uh, the Prime Minister's office correcting Fox News. I watched that story very carefully. I've done media interviews on it. I've reported on it. I've looked at the timeline of it. In fact, the information that was reported was completely correct Mm -hmm. and and confirmed by the police that there were two suspects arrested in the shooting. And it came out from uh, a court clerk's papers that one was a Moroccan name and one was a a French Canadian name. So mm-hmm. what happened is, post haste, the, the prime minister's office wants this to go back and be corrected. Fox News never said he was the shooter; they said he was arrested in the shooting, which is the absolute truth of what happened. But now we want to go back and rewrite that and scrub that. So, well, so I think, I scary. think,
0: I think, I think the point that the prime minister's office was making was that they didn't update the story. It alluded that he was a suspect; he was not a suspect; he was a witness. But um, at
1: the time, at the time of that timestamp, yeah. a tweet, a tweet yeah. as you know, is
0: timestamp. What yeah. so happens yeah.
1: at a certain time and place and time. Right. And if what you want to do is go back and correct all of history, I mean, this is how stories evolve. I think it's well, I don't dangerous. think I don't
0: think you necessarily have to go back and correct history, but you certainly have to update it and say, "Hey, that's not the case now." That the case is is it's this. I think that's was that not the point?
1: Uh, no, the point was they wanted them to delete it. They yeah. didn't want them to update the story. They wanted it deleted. So, you know, one of the things editorially when you do things, if you look, you'll talk to journalism professors. If you have to make a correction to a story, it's important that you leave the original story up and then you show the correction underneath so you can show that there was a change put in right. rather than just taking out, correcting it, and people don't know what happened before.
0: I see what you're saying, yeah.
1: It's sort of a mm-hmm. thing where you, where you follow the flow of it, if you will. Right, we're right. getting into journalistic ethics here and these sort of things. Yeah. But, uh, what I'm talking about, though, is this is the sort of talking where we're worried about who we identify as being good who we identify as being bad. I mean, there's going to be people watching the Super Bowl now, drunk, having a great time watching the game, who are going to deal, as you're going to talk with later, this little immigration ad that you know, sort of takes one point of view and lays it out there. And, you know, it's it's not a
0: good thing. I don't, I don't think it's a good thing. Ross McLean has been with us, crime specialist, security expert, security.com to find out more. Thank you, Ross, as always. Much appreciated.
1: Yeah, and great always being able to talk about things on Talk Red Hill and your comment board, Scott. Because everybody gets a chance to be heard. And I think that's a great service that you guys do.
0: Thanks, Ross. Much appreciated. Right. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right. The Prime Minister's office took uh, Fox News to task over reporting a tweet about Quebec shooting, uh, the Quebec shooter that was inaccurate. Uh, the tweet uh, in question claimed that the alleged suspect was Moroccan. You might remember when this whole thing came down. And again, Quebec police are very quiet about things until they know everything. Uh, but they had said that they had two suspects in, in custody and one of which was of Moroccan descent. It turned out that the one of Moroccan descent uh, was actually a witness and not a suspect. And of course, the shooter now alleged shooter and now identified as a born and bred and raised uh, Canadian from Quebec. So uh, I guess Fox was slow to update this story. Or to correct the fact that uh, the, the suspect was not a Moroccan descent, that he was, in fact, a you know white, blue-eyed Canadian kid. And uh, so the Prime Minister's office took uh, Fox News to task on this. Uh, is this appropriate for politi- uh, politics? And was Fox the only one guilty of this? To talk more about all of it, Michael Tobe is with us. Columnist and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper, he is with us now. Hello, Michael. How are you today?
2: I'm good, Scott. How are you doing?
0: Great. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Uh, what is your take on this story here, and and uh, the Prime Minister uh, Prime Minister's office response to Fox?
2: Well, look, I would actually prefer that any Prime Minister of this country spend more time on economic issues and political issues than worrying about tweets. But I will give them this much, and I, I'm going to side a little bit with the Trudeau Liberals. It's rare for me to do this, but I will do it in this case. Um, There's no doubt that Fox News, like many different organizations and individuals, kind of jumped the gun on this story. I mean, the whole mantra that now exists, and you certainly know this from radio, and obviously it happens in TV, papers, etc. You want to be the first to get a story. You don't necessarily want to be the first to fact-check it. You want to be the first one out there who reports it was, you know examples ABCD and then people can then go to you they can link back to your story and then it just circulates around now Fox News was not the only one to suggest that there was a second shooter and that person was of Moroccan origin it had come out for a period of time but when it was immediately disproven that that gentleman had actually been in the mosque praying and had nothing to do with this whole scenario most people took back their tweets or social media posts and just wiped them out. For whatever reason, Fox News decided to just let this tweet linger, and it stayed there for so long that it allowed uh, U.S. President Donald Trump to actually use it as ammunition for his whole uh, discussion that I'm sure you've had with yeah. you, your guests and listeners the past few days about this whole um, you know, much stronger position on immigration or the so-called travel ban because of that, it, al- it allowed it to stay for longer, it festered for longer, and the Prime Minister's office obviously got frustrated by it, and their Director of Communications, Kate Purchase, had just basically had enough, so she tweeted out to Fox News that the information was incorrect. Now, Fox kept this tweet up very briefly from Monday of virt- and virtually all of Tuesday. I think it came down around 8 o'clock in the evening last night. And that's basically been it. But the mistake here is that, unfortunately, news organizations are not fast enough, in my opinion, to check information and make sure that it's legitimate, it's accurate, etc. So even though I would rather not have a battle of wars over Twitter, I think at least in this one example, the Trudeau liberals were right to at least correct the record and make it more accurate.
0: Uh, who else was guilty in this? We've heard that Reuters UK was, they were late yeah. to bringing it down uh, as of Tuesday night. La Presse, the same thing. Why not so. zero in on everyone instead of spe- specifically Fox?
2: Well, you're right. There were several. You've listed a couple. Um, I certainly saw that message circulate around, but my guess it was mostly just retweets or people taking an original tweet link and then just sending it out. Um, why do they specifically focus on Fox? I, I think from a political, partisan point of view, mm-hmm. a partisan point of view you can certainly understand it. I mean, it's an easy target for the left-wing liberal government of Canada to go after the right-leaning um, powerhouse station in the United States of cable news, which is obviously a home for most conservative thinkers, activists, politicians, etc. So I'm not shocked that it happened for that reason. And obviously in politics there are always things that are set up or situated, and there are always examples of where you go after someone who's your ideological opposite to score points or to win some, or curry some favor. So I understand why the Trudeau liberals did this, and I don't have an issue with them trying to correct the record and making the whole whole story accurate. Fox News was wrong in the one sense, which was that it just kept... uh, a tweet with incorrect and invalid information up for more than 24 hours. So that's a mistake on their part. But yes, you're absolutely right. Should the Trudeau Liberals have gone after everybody who did this? Yes, absolutely. Did they probably choose Fox News because it was just susceptible to being different than their agenda? that has, it has a different sort of value system, that it looks at the world differently than the liberal government does? Absolutely. So that part of it was definitely wrong. But to go after sources who were basically making invalid assumptions about a, you know, a terrible terror attack that happened in Quebec City, which affected all Canadians, I don't have an issue with them spending at least a little bit of time to make sure that the record was correct from every source, and not just
0: Fox. So how does Trudeau, you know, and and I guess kudos to him for demanding that this be corrected, but how does he balance this and not, you know, and not get caught up in the same comparisons of Trump and the way he uses Twitter? Uh, Again, you want to reach the people, you want to get the message heard, but how do you not fall victim to this?
2: You know, that's an interesting question. And a lot of people have compared Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump in that one instance, because even though Trump is not really a conservative or a Republican in his ideology, he's not really even ideological. Um, trudeau and trump are obviously very opposite in the way they view the world their world views are quite dissimilar but they both have used social media to their advantage trump incredibly successfully and i don't think we have to go through it but trudeau has also done the same thing and you know social media has become a very important part of the daily fabric and basic for that reason it's become very important for all world leaders and i think everybody's now starting to catch on to it to use things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat,
0: and other things to your advantage. And when you think about it, every one of those selfies you know made it up onto social media.
2: And that's just it. And people Mm -hmm. talk about it. We talk more, all of us in the media talk more about Trudeau's selfies than we do Trudeau's policies, yeah, which is yeah. which is terrible because yeah. policies are really what matter. Yeah, I, you know, and I know in this day and age that we look at things very differently. That we sort of look at snapshots and these little windows of having, say, our world leaders smiling with, you know. X number of citizens or sitting in front of the beach or walking with his family. All these things resonate with people, especially young people, and I get that. But I think what we're really missing, and it's starting to really happen a lot in society, is that the important facts, the issues involving policy, politics, economics, culture, are not being discussed as thoroughly as they were, say, 30, 40 years ago. And for that reason, I think that people are becoming... Less knowledgeable about issues, even though they're becoming more aware about everything involving, every, you know, involving anything that their world leader gets himself or herself involved in. I don't think that's a good trend but unfortunately I I, am becoming a dinosaur in that fashion and I think that sadly as time goes along policy is going to matter even less than it does now and it barely resonates at all.
0: What is the protocol when it comes to something like these stories especially in this new world of of social media where you know even traditional media and, and, and obviously political leaders are using it to communicate uh, so we have a story here. Initially, the police did report this information right. about this Moroc- Moroccan suspect. It then became clarified that he was not a suspect, that he was, in fact, a witness and uh, that Bissonnette was the lone uh, wolf in this attack. So what happens then? Do you go back and correct it? Do you remove it entirely? Do you let it linger and correct or, or, or do you do you delete it? Well,
2: I mean, there's a lot of different information to go through there. I mean, I think the basic thing is one of the most common mistakes that's made on social media, as we know, are the deaths of celebrities. We've had many reputable organizations, not just TMZ and various other groups, but reputable organizations report the deaths or or a a, a famous Hollywood actor, a politician, being missing, and then they have to retract it, you know, within, say, Mm -hmm. a half hour to a few hours later because all the information is wrong, and the person's uh, publicity agent had to come out to speak to the press to tell them that no said person is still alive, and quite frankly, they have to then show a photo of that individual or have them doing something or make a phone call, whatever, to ensure that it's correct. Those sorts of problems with celebrities, I think, have increased over the years to the point now where we just get a lot of facts wrong. On social media, during, say, wars or attacks or the Boston bombing or various other events that have happened in our society, we've seen that a lot of facts are thrown out by so-called eyewitnesses or by news organizations that claim they have it on, you know, on on good reliance from a great source that X happened, and in the end, X never happened at all. It's what I said before. I think people are just jumping the gun when it comes to these types of stories. We want to be the first one out, the one that everyone has their eyeballs on, to sort of say, I was the first one to suggest X, and look what happened. X was correct, and now everyone flies with it the mistake that's being made and it's being it's happening with newspapers it's happening with magazines it's happening with radio tv organizations etc is that there's been a lot of corrections that have to be made that's one of the problems with social media is that you can say there are a lot of things out there that are correct and valid but there's also a lot of information, including on Twitter and Facebook, elsewhere, that is invalid. And that's the whole problem, for example, we're happening with fake news right now. People just don't know what to believe, they don't know what to read. So if they see something about a politician say that they don't like, then of course they're going to retweet it because that sort of interests them, it intrigues them. It must be true, it's on the Internet, it must be accurate. Hmm. I think that for a lot of people in society, Canadians are certainly included, we have to start looking at the news source. We have to look at the article or the tweet or whatever as it is written. And we have to sort of think back for a moment, take a deep breath, and think to ourselves, is this really accurate? Is this information we should share with our friends? Is it really something that is of national importance, for example, or even local importance? and go from there. So, I think the real issue here is that people are just interested by the subject matter. They want to share it with everyone. I don't know why, but that's just the the society we now have. When you share with everyone, Unfortunately, you're going to make mistakes, and the best thing is, as you suggested, is to retract that information, take it off immediately, apologize if necessary, and move on. Like, you don't have to sit there and reflect for hours, but just realize that if news is wrong or news is fake and you've sent it out, you really have to take it back. And that's where Fox News, I think, made its biggest mistake. They left it lingering, and it allowed it to fester so much – that President Trump was able to use it to his advantage, and other Republicans also tried to sort of suggest that Quebec City is the marking of a much bigger problem, a much bigger issue that he's talking about with the so-called travel ban, when in fact the two things had nothing to do with each other. That's the huge mistake.
0: Now that we find out that it is a white, uh, blue-eyed, homegrown terrorist situation, uh, how does that change the story?
2: well the narrative changes when it when it's affected by when it affects certain groups or doesn't affect others if it had been someone of either muslim or arab or middle eastern origin which we know it wasn't but let's just be you know let's just take a hypothetical example and say it was that would have obviously situate the narrative in a very different way people then would start thinking well this ties in with mm-hmm. you know isis it, tells, it ties in with al-qaeda and 9-11 it ties in with the attacks on the the u.k. tube in spain and various other things and now it's really starting to hit canada pretty hard i mean we had that incident obviously in ottawa a couple of years ago by the war monument which was just a complete mess that was certainly a terror attack if, that had been signed, if, that, if this one in Quebec City had been linked with Ottawa in some fashion, I think that would have been very frustrating, and it would have created a very different narrative. The fact that we know that this individual, who is what he is, even though we hear on Facebook he liked everything from Marine Le Pen in France mm-hmm. to Jack Layton of the NDP, which I don't really understand that line of thought, but anyway, we just know that he's obviously a blue-eyed, white individual and male who caused this, then you have to sort of say that well look terror obviously can happen in all shapes and forms. you don't you can't just classify a terrorist as being from one country or one type of person or one group of people yeah. it can come from anywhere because what happened in quebec city was a terror attack there's nothing more to say on it and you can't rub it aside you can't wish it away it was a terror attack and mr Bissonnette. Hopefully, the law will obviously put him away for a long period of time. I mean, unfortunately, with the Canadian justice system, you never know. But that's what should be done in this case. He deserves more, but the Canadian justice system can only do so much. But I think what this will teach us, and this is where the narrative changes, is that you can't just assume, because certain events have happened in the world, that everything related to terror is going to happen from the same source. Terror affects us all terror involves us all and that's something that we have to start thinking about i think a little bit more clearly and that will then allow us to go after these horrible groups like isis al-qaeda and others but also to ensure that homegrown terrorism which is a problem is festering and it's coming from different sources and we need to capture and remove these people as quickly as we possibly can in all ways that we can.
0: What about Fox's response to uh, the Prime Minister? They said they regret the error and, and removed mm-hmm. it I guess and moved on. Uh, your thoughts on that and how it was handled uh, post uh, the Prime Minister's office?
2: Well look, I think Fox handled it properly. If They, they said they regret the error and they finally did remove it. The only thing was they regretted the error because they got attacked by the prime minister's office in Canada. They probably didn't care initially what, what the Canadian government had to say. But then probably, as they lo- and I'm just guessing, they probably looked around, checked with other sources, noted that other places, as you mentioned, Reuters UK, La Presse and others, removed that tweet. And they probably realized that when push comes to shove, even if they're not entirely sure about every sequence involved in this story it is now very clear that it was a lone gunman and you know what that point is wrong we better get rid of it i still say and i'm not don't want to sound like a broken record player but i still say that if you make a mistake early on and you see that others are admitting that mistake and removing it you follow suit. It doesn't mean that you're that you're sheep and that you're part of the herd. It means you realize that certain pieces of information that go out there are incorrect, are invalid and should be removed at once so that the record is clean and the record is accurate as possible or as accurate as possible. You- that's the big mistake.
0: You talked about how uh, other organizations and, and even uh, the president jumped on this story yep. uh, in order to drive their point home. Correct. Now that, uh, of course, this has happened and they regret the error, does that resonate? Does does Trump retweet and say, oh, by goofed? Uh, where, does the correction get as much exposure as the initial story? <laughs>
2: When's the last time Trump retweeted that? My goodness! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Trump will never admit that he made a mistake. He rarely ever does. He's only a couple times since he basically has declared he was interested in running for the presidency, and that's been about it. Um, yes, it's it, it, certainly it's good that the you know that White House comms or their comms communications department uh, moves away from the tweet and acknowledges that you know even though they believe in the so-called travel ban that they have and to have a much stronger and safer and more secure nation, if you realize that this piece of information doesn't necessarily fit into the puzzle and doesn't create the narrative that you want you just push it aside i mean you can obviously switch it around and certainly say that canada has to be you know has to be vigilant when it comes to people like mister Bissonnette and ensure that it has a safe and secure nation because of the importance of canada u.s relations the border security etc so that they certainly could do but yes i think it's better to take back Information and just admit that you make a mistake, as hard as it is for some people and as hard as it is for some politicians, including world leaders, to do it, and then move forward. It doesn't make your point wrong, or basic point wrong, about ensuring safety and security. It just means that in this one instance, this particular case doesn't fit into the narrative push it aside, and look for other issues and other cases that will. Because believe me, as time goes along, there will be other terrorist attacks and there will be other things to fit into Donald Trump's narrative quite easily. And it will happen pretty soon.
0: Michael Tobe has been with us, columnist and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper, talking about the Prime Minister's office taking Fox News to task over not deleting a tweet and correcting uh, information regarding the Quebec shooting. Michael, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Take care. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. We put up the ad earlier on on our Facebook and Twitter feeds uh, in regard to, uh, this is a Budweiser ad that will run. You know, the big Super Bowl ads? Everybody talks about it. Well, one of the big Super Bowl ads that's already making the rounds is Budweiser's ad on immigration. Uh, it's on our sites if you want to take a peek at it we're gonna play you a portion of it but it really really is a visual ad and there isn't a lot of narrative to it uh... basically what the ad is is uh... uh shots of uh... late seventeen hundreds i believe it was and and uh... Anheuser bush which is the company that owns budweiser this is the story of uh, mister bush immigrating from germany to the United States and he wanted to come over here to make beer. North America, America, there. <laughs> so uh, it documents the struggle and everything back in those days it took to get from one continent to another. And, uh, and then arriving in America and uh, facing racism, people saying, go back home, we don't want you here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, eventually, Bush makes his way to uh, uh St. Louis, where of course he starts his empire and he meets uh, Mr. Anheuser and they sit down and have a conversation and uh, Mr. Anheuser buys Mr. Bush a beer and Mr. Bush says that's great, but this is what the next one's going to be look like and he shows him a drawing of a label of Budweiser. And of course the rest is history as they say, but it's certainly, promotes how this company was an immigrant company and the racism that the founder faced when coming here uh you know many 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 years ago coming to America many many years ago so we're going to play you a portion of the spot and again uh we highly recommend you go to Facebook and Twitter or sites and 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 see this uh because it is way more visual than it is uh, uh an audio description but we'll play you what we can you don't look like you're from around here I want to welcome to America back home so that's basically all we can tell you then the rest is him arriving at the bar and, and you know Bush and anheuser eventually meeting and the story is that this great company this profitable company, this company that employs millions of Americans, uh, was started by two German immigrants who face the same sort of racism that some immigrants are facing today. Uh, lots of people emailing this, get the politics out of my football game. I just want to watch some game and drink some beer. Now I got to think. Alyssa Freeman is with us, Principal, Alyssa, PR, Communications, uh, and has uh, written columns for the Huffington Post, com PR Daily, and is with us now, Alyssa, how are you today?
3: Oh, I raise a beer to you, Scott.
0: What do you think of this spot?
3: You know, I saw it yesterday. And as we know, um, if we look back, you know, firstly, you know, commercials used to be on the Super Bowl used to be a big surprise. And then suddenly advertisers got smart and they said, gee, you know, if we start leaking our commercials, not only will it get... You know, more eyeballs even than just being on the Super Bowl, which is millions of eyeballs, but we will get residual PR on how creative or how brilliant or how provocative we are. So this whole notion of actually leaking a commercial is something that has happened in the past few years, and Anheuser-Busch's um, intent to do this is obviously to stir the pod and to stir conversation without pointing any fingers. Mm-hmm. So when I saw it, I thought this, you know, this is quite impressive. And they also picked, you know, when you know they you're talking about um you know Germany and there has been some contentious, you know, relations be it with Germany um over, you know, the, the mm-hmm. decades with the United States. And it's so timely. You know, I, I'd like to go back and ask them, you know, when did you actually start you know coming up with this type of idea so I imagine that it was months in the making Mm -hmm. but as far as timeliness and being on point with a current narrative that is causing consternation and conversation uh, across the planet you know, they kind of hit the nail on the head.
0: One emailer to the show said, uh, oh, this was done long before uh, the Trump thing. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, Trump's decision this week, which, which is valid. But does that hold any weight in this argument whatsoever? Because clearly of course
3: it has to do with Trump's decision. First of all, Trump has been campaigning. But clearly this. this
0: yeah, but yeah, exactly. So this, you know, they came oh. up with this idea months ago when he started talking this way and perhaps knew it would get mileage. What he has done this past week has just put it through the uprights. No pun intended.
3: Well done. But I think that, you know, whether or not Trump uh, got into uh, office when they first developed this, um, you know, when they first developed this concept, it was still a concept that would that had a timeless narrative. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, the plight of the immigrant and making it in America first. And secondly, you know, if I was to read their creative brief, look at how uh, they they position themselves during the election they changed the name of their beer to America. So, you know, this has all been a slow build and, you know, people thought, gee, America, Red Can, is this sort of like their nod to make America great again? And, you know, they kind of kept quiet about it. Mm -hmm. But really, when you see sort of phase two of this strategy, you see that, oh, you know what, this could go in any direction and I think that it also requires, you know, the conversation of when you're a company, and you know, everybody's got the pile-on mon- mentality. So now that Anheuser Busch has put a stake in the ground, are we going to see more overt positioning of um, company politics or companies wading into politics?
0: Start. We talked about this yesterday with Starbucks saying that they were going to hire refugees.
3: Right, and they haven't yet done a commercial about it, but trust me,
0: it's coming. <laughs>
3: It's coming to you an app near you. So, uh, you know, it's interesting so you have to be a company has to be very very careful when they wade into politics because the first thing you want to do don't want to do is alienate your customer base.
0: So, you have to have- Oh man, they're they're poking a giant bear with this stick. I mean, is this about selling beer or
3: politics? Well, there, there you go. Therein lies the uh, you know the great question. It's obviously a little bit of both
0: because so. I can see people drinking a lot of beer, and I can see a lot of bottles being tossed at the big screen,
3: yeah, I don't know. I don't think people are going to waste their beer. I mean, look where you know Budweiser <laughs> came from in terms of their, their marketing. You know, uh, a few years ago, I do believe they were the ones who came up with the what's up. Remember yeah, that whole... Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, they've been known for great, uh, great Super
3: Bowl, uh, right. Super Bowl commercials over the years. they've also been known for taking a great pride in their country. Yeah. So a lot of their narrative around all, a lot of their advertising has done that. This does stretch the narrative box a little bit out of their boundaries, but it doesn't go to point fingers at, well, you know, at, at, at any other um, contentious immigrant groups. Now, people can say, okay, well, you know, it wasn't a Syrian who came over and invented beer. But, hey, what if it was? Yeah. So these are the, the questions. And I think that what anheuser Bush really wanted to do was, A, get eyeballs. B, stay relevant almost, you know, a week out, a little less than a week out of the um, – Of the Super Bowl itself, I mean, it's a brilliant strategy. When you release something a week out, you can it certainly takes Cahounies cycle in twenty four hours, or here we are on day two or three still talking about it.
0: So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it is advertising. So, whether it's controversial or not, it does attract eyeballs. Whether that translates into sales or not, who knows? It is relevant, but at the end of the day, why not just sell beer? And again, I'm not, first of all, I think this ad is great, and, and I give them total uh, uh, kudos for doing this. It takes a lot of balls to do this, uh, and I love the ad. It's a great ad. But playing devil's advocate, why not just sell beer?
3: Well, I think, Scott, that they actually are selling beer. Yeah. And I think that. Um they, they are doing it in a way that, you know, doesn't alienate their customer base. I mean, honestly, they're talking about the founders, the two founders of the company. And I think that there, you know, there comes a point where, that listen, they're still always going to sell beer, and Budweiser is still always going to, you know, uh, you know um, and will still be a uh, viable company, and Budweiser is still going to be a top-of-mind brand. But they would probably tell you they are selling beer. And they would tell you that that through they're just telling their story. This is, really, this is a beer that speaks to all Americans, yeah. no matter where you come from. Mm-hmm. And, and again, no matter
0: the politics of the day, this is still them just telling their story.
3: Well, it is. It absolutely is. And I think that you know when you are committed as a company to creating an ad on the one program that garners more eyeballs than almost anything else in the world. You know, you start working on this 12 months out. As soon as the last, the the commercial plays from last year, you're working on the next execution the next day.
0: How will Trump respond to this?
3: You know, if well, he hasn't yet. I mean, how will he respond? You, I think he I has tweet. to.
0: He has to. I mean, how can he let everything else go and not jump on this one?
3: Well, I and think boy,
0: oh, boy, how are Americans going to feel when Donald Trump takes
3: on Budweiser? I think that, you know, I I would hope that the people around uh, President Trump would say to him, listen, you can't take on everybody because at the end of the day, you know, he keeps taking on one company after another company after another company or one person after another. And it, it's starting to grate on the people who voted him in and are not happy about the policies that he's putting in place. So since he put in the, you know, hashtag Muslim ban, you were starting to see a lot of tweets in response to this saying, you know what, I voted for you, but I didn't vote for this. So he's already eroding his base, and anything he does or says is supposed to speak to that base. So if you take on Anheuser-Busch, which is, you know, probably pretty relevant to your, you know, the base that voted for you, Are you going to create more consternation uh, among them? So he has to be really careful at some point not to go after everybody and their brother, because even, you know, the person who doesn't pay attention to any politics at all is going to say, "Okay, well, it's Tuesday. Who's Trump going after now?
0: Uh, my guess is he will respond, but he'll ris- respond by approving the ad as if these people are defending his policy. He'll spin it as if uh, that's why we need strong immigration policies, so we let the good ones in like anheuser Bush, and keep out the bad ones that are going to cause hell. Do you see that?
3: Yeah. I don't know. I don't that door's know. I not mean, black. Like, you know, that how, door is how...
0: actually white. Pardon me? I, I think he'll just say, that door's not black, that door's actually white. Oh. I, I think he'll just he'll just spin it in his favor and say, that's why we need strong immigration policy. They're right.
3: You know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I would hate to see that he would bring a commercial down along the lines of race, of black versus white. And I don't think that Anheuser-Busch themselves, I mean, they would absolutely have to respond if that was the case. I think that when you come out with a provocative message such as the Budweiser brand has just done, you are obviously ready um, with your, your Q&A document. Like they have, you, they've probably sat down with their PR uh, firm. They've come up with the Q&A saying, if we get asked ask this, then we're going to answer it this way. So normally, that document wouldn't be so thick, depending on the commercials that they usually put out. But in this case, I would beg to differ and say this has been a pretty intense uh, Q&A document. I think that there's been a lot of media training going on to whoever, whomever the spokesperson will be. And, you know, this is what happens when you start wading into water. So, you know, to date, companies have been loath to come up against uh, the president when he says something. You saw what happened with the car companies, and you and I talked about that. In this case, uh, you know, I'm wondering if companies are prepared to double down on their narrative and to say, you know, this is wrong. We obviously, from from this commercial, we're trying to say something, and we don't agree.
0: Uh, Here's an interesting comment from a listener. Uh, Vincent says, I think it's great. This ad is saying rather than playing the victim card, the founder just went ahead and got it done. In other words, stop whining.
3: You know, that is another way of looking at it. And I think Vincent has, has a really good point. And, you know, let's just get along with business and, you know, let people be and let them grow into, you know, whomever they want to be, no matter who they are. So he brings up a really good point. And except that I don't think the whining is going to stop. And in this case, the whining is coming from one of the highest offices in the land.
0: So is this, with this comment, does he feel this ad is pro-Trump or against Trump?
3: That's hard to say. I would never want to speculate what a commenter is hmm. thinking. Does
0: um, Anheuser-Busch need to follow this ad with a statement, or can they just let the ad speak and say, we just promote uh, you know, what got us here?
3: Well, I think that that's what they're doing so far. Mm-hmm. I think that um, they are letting this ad speak for itself, and they haven't really – I mean, you know, uh, they haven't really um, come out with any sort of overt statements because there's really been no, nothing to come out against. Like, you know, the companies can do one of two things. They can be proactive and have a statement at the ready, or they can be reactive and see about – see um, what narrative comes back as a result. So at this point, I think they're going to see uh, they're still they're lying a little bit quiet. They're letting the ad do the talking, and it'll be interesting to see if they uh, do if they do have to come out with a statement. But I can assure you, it is at the ready. What? uh,
0: Okay, let's change gears. We've only got a minute or so left. Uh, I just would like your quick impression on your thoughts on the Prime Minister's Office tweet to Fox News that says you've got to correct this story uh, in regard to. Uh, the two suspects uh, in the Quebec shooting that were initially arrested. One, of course, is the man that is now uh, charged an alleged uh and the alleged shooter. The other was a witness of Moroccan descent. That carried through with Fox News. They were late in pulling that down, as were some other media outlets. Your thoughts on how the Prime Minister's Office handled this?
3: Well, I thought they did a great job. I mean, when you get Fox News to pull down, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it takes a, a whole government to get Fox News to pull down a tweet and an erroneous fact. Because I'm sure they don't do that.
0: Does this resonate with people? The fact that they had to do that in America? Yes, or people? Yes, are people it even noticing? I remember noticing?
3: once. Um, Christian was overheard, uh, he had a, a live mic, and I forget who he was talking to, and he said, you know, I always uh, go against whatever the states is doing because it makes me very popular with Canadians. And it's true, it does. When you kind of, you know, stare down the big bear and say, no, you're wrong, we want you to correct this because you're, what you're saying is is untrue, then that um, shows them being proactive in a sense uh, it's not necessarily against uh, the administration because they still have to be very careful with that, but it's kind of putting a toe in the water. And he's taking a lot of heat because, you know, why isn't he coming out and, you know, Tom Mulcair says, and slamming what this whole Muslim ban-, ban is about? Well, you know, you still have to remember the U.S. is one of our biggest trading partners. So Trudeau is treading. And it isn't
0: our responsibility to be their loyal opposition.
3: Well, that's right. And Trudeau is treading um, very, very carefully in that area. Alyssa
0: Freeman has been with us, Principal Alyssa PR Communications. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. Much
3: appreciated. Thank you, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.